Welcome in, welcome aboard. What a weekend in the sports world. NBA free agency opens up. The flurry of action shortly after midnight on July 1st. None of those deals were in place, by the way, beforehand. No way, not a chance. And LeBron James makes his decision. Decision 3.0. We'll talk about that. We will also get to Yankees and Red Sox and what turned out to be a dud of a series. We'll talk about all of it coming up on a show to be named later. And let's start off with LeBron James. Let's start off with his move to the Los Angeles Lakers. And it says a lot, I think, about where LeBron is in his career. First off, and this was the most striking thing to me, because I I think we knew that the Los Angeles Lakers were the likely destination, right? It was really either there or Cleveland. Sure, an outside shot at Philadelphia, but it felt like Los Angeles or Cleveland. So I'm not surprised by the decision to go to Los Angeles. But a couple things really got me. And this was my biggest thing that that struck me. He signed a four-year deal. He signed a four-year deal to commit to Los Angeles. And I think that says a lot about where he's at in his career where he thinks he's at, maybe as a player, maybe as a person, and potentially wanting to set himself up for more afterwards. Now, when LeBron went back to Cleveland after Miami, he signed a one-year deal with an option, declined the option, signed a one-year with an option, declined the option, signed a one-year with an option, declined the option, signed a one-year with an option, declined the option, and signed in Los Angeles. They were on pins and needles the whole time. They were waiting. They were concerned. They were worried whether he would leave or not. And after year one, you never got the feeling he was going to leave because he didn't get to accomplish what he wanted to. Year two, he does. Year two, he wins. But there was no way he was really going to leave right on the heels of that, was there? So he stays. Year three, he loses again. But maybe you thought you were close enough, and he sticks around for one more go at it. And now, after four years, it was time to leave. There will be no circus this time next year surrounding LeBron James. You know where he's going to be playing in the 2019-2020 season. He's going to be in Los Angeles. Now, the question will be who is with him, but he will be in Los Angeles. And that said a lot to me. Maybe a realization that he's never going to be, in some people's minds, Michael Jordan. A realization that to some people, he's done all he can. That there is nothing he can do to make him the best player of all time. And I think that goes along with what the Lakers' plans might be here. To me, it feels like a long play. Obviously, he signed a four-year deal. But he feel, it feels like a long play. They don't need to rush into anything and overpay for Kawhi Leonard this year. They don't need to rush into anything and overpay for a free agent to come in, hand out too many years, whatever it may be. Because LeBron James is in this for the long haul. LeBron James is signed now until he's 37. He committed to Magic Johnson. He committed to the Los Angeles Lakers. 
And it signaled to me an end of chasing. An end of an era in his career. He's done chasing ghosts. He's done chasing rings. He just wants to be somewhere that he wants to be. And that is Los Angeles. That is the entertainment capital of the world. And he can go out there, and he can still be really good, and they'll probably still be the third best team in the West, and if they add Kawhi Leonard, maybe they challenge for second with the Rockets, and they'll make it to the second round of the playoffs, and maybe they'll make it a round further because they've got LeBron James. But that's what they are this year, right now, as presently constituted. And maybe, maybe, after going through everything he did, leaving Cleveland the first time around and going to Miami, winning the two titles in four years, going back to Cleveland and accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish, which was bringing out, which was bringing a title to Northeast Ohio and bringing a title back home for him, maybe he now sits back and says, you know what? I'm satisfied with where I am in my career. I'm happy with what I've accomplished. I've done this for 15 years, playing at an incredibly high level. I've gone to eight finals in a row. And yeah, I haven't won all of them. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not Bill Russell. I've lost. But you know what? I've done what I wanted to do, and now it's time to think about me a little bit more. I'm tired of being in Cleveland. The pressure was weighing on me. I'm going to Los Angeles. I am setting myself up for a great future. And then there's another aspect of this. And it's part of that future that I think of. And that's who's the guy who was recruiting him. Who's the guy who went to LeBron's Brentwood house last night, July 1st? Who's the guy who went there and talked to him? Who's the guy who had the couple-hour-long meeting with LeBron James as soon as free agency opened, shortly thereafter? Magic Johnson. And who is the one guy in professional sports, and certainly in professional basketball, who could understand what it's like to go from being a basketball player and a great basketball player to being a businessman, to being a successful mogul, to being just a beyond wealthy millionaire following his playing career. Somebody who owns the Dodgers who has been successful in everything he's done, except for late-night talk shows. Who better to go and talk to and have at your, you know, have his ear and be able to use it as a sounding board for LeBron James than Magic Johnson? Because Magic Johnson, everything he has done, he has been successful at. Basketball, business, entertainment, otherwise. Again, except for talk shows. But to me, that's a sign, right? It it says a lot about where LeBron is. Yes, this is a basketball move, and it's going to be great 
you know, for him to play for what is an iconic franchise, something he hasn't done. He's played in Cleveland. He's played in Miami. But it's different to put on that jersey. Different to play in that city with Jack Nicholson sitting across the court from you. Right? It's a little bit different than playing for Cleveland. But it signals two things to me. He's done chasing ghosts. This is not to go chase down Jerry West. This is not to go chase down Kobe Bryant or Magic Johnson. This is certainly not to go chase down Michael Jordan. Because if he wanted to do that, he'd go to Philly. If he wanted to do that, he would have engineered a sign-and-trade to Houston. This is not what that's about. He knows his best basketball is probably behind him, and he wants to set himself up for his post-playing career. So you go to Los Angeles, you hit the entertainment capital of the world, you learn from an all-time great who turned into a businessman and a very successful one at that, and you work your way to becoming a billionaire. That's the goal, right? You work your way to becoming a billionaire. And you're in Los Angeles for four years. Maybe you're in Los Angeles for more than four years. And here's something I saw last night that I found very interesting. LeBron James now under contract for four seasons. And when that contract is up, his son will be entering the NBA. It leaves him open to go play with his son. It leaves open that opportunity to go play on an NBA roster with his kid. Because at that point, he will be 37 years old. And he might be a great basketball player still. But odds are he's going to be formerly great, right? And his skills are going to diminish somewhat. But somebody will take him. And that somebody is probably going to be the team that his son gets drafted by. So I really do think that this Los Angeles Lakers thing is a long play. I don't think it matters who they've got on their team this year. I don't think it matters who they've got on their team, you know, come the trade deadline, come the playoffs. It's about something bigger than this. And whether you hate LeBron for that or you respect LeBron for that, I think that we can all acknowledge that that's what this is about. Allow me to take a time out to remind you that if you missed any of our shows, you can get caught up with our best of podcasts on the block on demand with Brent Axe, the Daniel Baldwin Show podcast, 30 Minutes in Orange Nation when we return on August 6th. We're getting very close to football season. I'm, I'm really excited about that. You can find them on ESPNSyracuse.com or subscribe on our iTunes feed. You know that already. You're listening to a podcast. But go check out some of the other ones. And while you are on ESPNSyracuse.com, go to our audio vault. Check out the interviews. We package them nice and neatly and separately. Every interview we do for you to listen to right there in our audio vault. And if you subscribe on iTunes, you get everything delivered straight to your phone every day. Now back to a show to be named later.
All right, back here on a show to be named later. And and if you were listening to this podcast, if you were listening to Yankees on Deck last week, you know that I was very excited about this Yankees-Red Sox series. You know that I was amped. I thought it was going to be great. I, I thought that it was going to be a clash of teams and that it was going to be so much fun. And then it it wasn't. <laughs> right? It 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 wasn't what we thought it was going to be. It was three blowouts. It was Sonny Gray getting shelled. It was David Price getting shelled. And let's be honest, we should have expected those two outcomes. But it ended up with the Yankees taking two out of three. It ended up with the AL East virtually tied, with the American League and Major League Baseball virtually tied at the top. And now we head into summer. Now we head into this stretch, this six weeks where the Yankees and Red Sox will not play, where they won't play on the field, but they will play off of it. They'll be scoreboard watching. They'll be battling each other at the trade deadline because who's going to fill that rotation hole that's left there first? And who's going to fill it better? I will put money on the Yankees. I will bet that the Yankees fill their hole first, better, fastest, however you want to describe it. Because the Yankees have better prospects. Yankees are under the luxury tax line. There are many reasons to think the Yankees can go make a better deal than the Red Sox can. So the teams that play in six weeks will look different than the teams that played this weekend. But with that being said, I find it hard to say the Yankees don't have an advantage. I find it hard to believe the Yankees don't have an advantage in this series. Sure, they've got games to make up. They've played fewer games than the Red Sox, obviously. So maybe that's a disadvantage. But I feel like they've got the better team, which is important. No, they don't have great starting rotation, right? Their their starting rotation probably doesn't match up because on a given day, Sale is one of the best pitchers in baseball. David Price is almost certainly better than he showed last night. Rick Porcello's all right. Drew Pomerantz all right. So maybe the rotation as a whole is a bit better than the Yankees, but everything else seems to go in the Yankees' favor. And then, of course, there's this. There's this big advantage the Yankees have, which we saw this weekend, and that is they crush left-handed pitching. Absolutely destroy left-handed pitching. And if you're the Boston Red Sox, there's not really much you can do about that. Because you'll go into a playoff series starting David Price and Chris Sale and Drew Pomerantz and Eduardo Rodriguez. And it's hard to deviate from those guys because they are four of your five best starters. But if you do that, you have to know that Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and and go on down the lineup, Gary Sanchez, hit left-handed pitching better than right-handed pitching. So it's a tough place for the Red Sox to be in right now. And maybe that's where they go on the trade market. They try and find a righty starter or a bullpen arm. But right now, to me, that gives the Yankees a lead. The Yankee lineup gives them the lead, gives them the edge over anybody else in baseball right now. 
And they've gotten some really good starting pitching. Sonny Gray aside, the starting pitching has been fantastic for the Yankees over the last month. Luis Severino is on his way to winning the Cy Young. CC Sabathia looks like a different pitcher than he was a year and a half ago, two years ago. He looks like a different person. And Masahiro Tanaka is going to come back within the next week or 10 days. And they're going to trade for somebody. And Domingo Herman has been good. And the rotation is getting better. And you know what? They only need the rotation to go five innings. They only need the starter to go five innings. Because that bullpen is so good. That bullpen is so dominant. That bullpen is so lights out. that there's not really too much more that you need. You don't need much more length because you want to get to those fireballers. You want to get to Robertson. You want to get to Canely when he comes back. You want to get to Betances. You want to get to Chapman. You want to get to Chad Green. You want these pitchers in the game. So the combination, to me... Of a rotation that doesn't have to go deep. A lights-out bullpen that has been unbelievable over the last month. That's got a sub-1 ERA since June 1st. And that lineup that is going to break the home run record for a team in a single season. That lineup that is going to just cause major problems for anybody. They've got the edge. They are the best team in baseball right now. And they're going to do something to get better. They're going to make this team better. And that's what I'm intrigued to see. Who do they go out and get? Because if they wanted to, they can go out and get anybody. They really could. They've got the prospects. They've got the ability. They've got the cash, you know, flexibility, let's call it. To go out and get anybody they want. So who is that guy going to be? Who do they want? Who do they want to part with their assets for? Who are they willing to take on? That becomes the question. Because right now, as presently constituted, this team is not just a playoff team, but likely a World Series contender and a contender for one of the best records of all time. And they're going to get better in the next month because they're going to add pieces before the July 31st trade deadline. So what's it going to be? How many starters? Who? That's the question for Yankee fans. And when you add that to an already great bullpen, to a rotation that already includes your likely Cy Young Award winner, CeCe Sabathia and Masahiro Tanaka, and a lineup that is just pulverizing the baseball, You're really going to cause problems come October. That does it for us today on a show to be named later. We'll be off tomorrow. We'll be off Wednesday for the 4th of July holiday. We'll come back on Thursday. I'm sure more will happen in NBA free agency over the next couple of days. We'll be talking baseball as we get closer and closer to the All-Star break and the trade deadline. So much coming up this summer. And, of course, football season right around the corner. And we'll be talking about it all here on a show to be named later.